The brightest light is invisible. It shines through your deeds and warms the universe. Welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. Each week, we bring you another... Oh, no, it's happening again. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know why I'm here again. Ethan, where... Ethan, where are you? Oh, there you are. Hey, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan, how, how do you know my middle name? Nah, never mind, never mind. I'm John Maestri, and I have brought you here because I have this space. Yeah, I remember we used this once before for a bit that we did a couple episodes ago. What are you talking about? This is the first time I, I, I just built this space, and this is the first time I've brought you here. No, for we've, we've used this space before. We talked about using it again for another bit in the future, but... This is Ethan. I've I've been here before. We've been. Are we doing this bit again? Have I got the wrong Ryan? I, I'm sorry, sir. I may have pulled you from the wrong timeline. Are you like an evil Ethan or something? Can you not see the goatee? Yes, of course I'm the evil John. Hold on, I, it, your microphone's in the way. Lift your head up a little bit. Oh yeah, sure enough, there it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I I meant to bring Ryan R. Mazako here for nefarious purposes in this large room that I have built to, you know, you know, torture him. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's a nice room. I liked it better the first time I saw it, but Yeah. Um, I, it, it has its you know, it has its virtues. But mainly it's to intimidate. Do you feel intimidated? Yeah, totally. Okay. Then it's Definitely. doing its job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Um Hey, you know, good luck with your evil plot. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I definitely will, you know, once I get the right Ryan in here, yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a mess. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, you going to send me back? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, uh, <laughs> the hardest, the darndest thing is finding that button for this thing. Ah, there it is. All right. Here we go. Ryan, where'd you? Hey, where'd you go, man? You just like disappeared off my screen. Oh, hey, John. John, How do you um, know my first name? Oh, it's it's a it's a weird thing. I I went somewhere. I met some some people. It's not important. Um, you know what? Let's just move on with the show. All right. The warmth. Of an invisible light. That's what we're doing here today, John Ethan, John Ethan Maestri. Um, we are up to episode number 78. Can you believe that? We're trucking right through just a little more than halfway through season four. 
and uh, making some great progress. As but, Kermit and Fozzie once sang, moving right along. What do you think? Do you have a do you have a summary for us? Or no, you want to do trivia first, don't I'd you? I'd like to do trivia first if I could. Yeah, you can you you know what? You got them both. So you can do them in whatever order you want to. Ooh, could we this... do some Could we get away with summary first? No, let's not I even let's not, let's, break, you're, let's not break. Let's not break the time. Yeah, you're right. This that. isn't some kind of weird alternate universe where we switch things up. Yeah. We do things by the book around here. That's right. That's right. Okay. Trivia for the Warmth of an Invisible Light. This episode was written by Matt Kine. And this is his first credit since Deep Midnight's Voice, uh, late in Season 3. Uh, and obviously we do remember other episodes that he did, such as To Loose the Faithful, Fateful Lightning. So he's definitely an alum that has written quite a few episodes of the Andromeda series. And so it's good to see him back for this fourth season. It was directed by the ever-present Jorge Montesi. Now, he was leaned on heavily for this fourth season. This is his fourth directed episode so far, and he still has one more to go. But that's not as much as he's going to have in season five, in which he has nine credited episodes as director in the fifth season. Our guests for this episode, Michelle Harrison, is the tour guide android. She has an impressive list of roles since the late 1990s, including Stargate SG-1, The Twilight Zone, Fringe, V, that is the rebooted V series from the 2000s, Stargate Universe, and recurring roles as Diana Bolton in the series Continuum, and Nora Allen, or Speed Force, in the CW The Flash series. Michael Anthony Rollins, he plays Marshall Zebra in this episode. His credits include in-genre appearances like Total Recall 2070 as Martin Arenthal, Relic Hunter, Jake 2.0, and Blade Trinity. But for those of you that grew up on a young adult drama in the 1990s, you most likely recognize him as Jordan Bonner in Beverly Hills 90210. And that's really all I've got for trivia for this episode. Excellent trivia as always, John, Ethan. What do you, you want to go ahead and go on with the summary? Let's do it. All right. The summary for The Warmth of an Invisible Light. Dylan and the crew are being pursued as hotly as ever and arriving in a spider universe devoid of life. It looks as though they are going to be caught. Trance offers to blow herself up so that Andromeda can refuel and escape. But Dylan elects to go with an even sketchier plan. Use a device that Harper has created in order to cloak the ship in escape. Because it isn't finished, Harper doesn't want to use it, but Dylan forces him to, which forces Dylan out of their reality and into an alternate future where Dylan is long dead and the rest of the crew have alternate roles to play in the universe. But almost unbelievably, all in the same location. In this alternate universe, Dylan was able to stop the Nietzschean revolt, preserving the Commonwealth and dying as an old man in his bed. This allowed the Abyss to corrupt the Commonwealth, making this reality a dark and sinister one that Dylan feels compelled to try and correct. He rounds up the old gang, Sans Harper and Rade, who are an evil, tyrannical duo, with a mechanized Harper as the supreme commander of the Commonwealth. Believing Dylan to be a bomb about to blow up the commander, they chase him around the monument planet. Dylan appeals to Harper's good side, but just as Harper decides to go toward the light, Rade betrays him and truly sends Harper on his way, killing him. Go toward the light, Harper. 
rest in peace. Dylan is joined in this alternate reality by a version of Trance that helps him to recover and use Harper's cloaking device to return Dylan to his proper reality. While Dylan may have felt like he was gone for at least 40 minutes, in reality he was only gone 30 seconds, and miracle of miracles, in that time Becca has come up with a plan of escape. But still needing a little help, a part of Trance detonates in the area as a massive supernova giving the Andromeda all the fuel they need to leave the spider galaxy and their pursuers behind. The end. Hey, Ethan. Sir. Just two words. I mean, this was a huge bit of trivia missed and a huge bit of summary missed. You did a great job, but you did miss this one big thing. What was that? Tears back. (laughs) Oh, come on. Uh, it was a back shot of a some guy what, randomly pulled off the street. That's what I said. I said tears back. Oh, <laughs> that's all we saw. I yeah, well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. No, he's not back. We a- just saw as, his back. as you insinuated by that comment. But you, yes, you, you're you are. Oh, 100% I didn't mean to be accurate. misleading. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the show didn't either. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, wasn't that an interesting callback, though? I mean, here we're, what, f- 13 episodes removed now from the from the exit of uh, Tierra Anasazi from the show? And now they're finding ways to just kind of drop it in there just a little bit, you know, and try to make us think, oh, he's here too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's definitely talk about that a little bit more later. Okay. Uh, and... Keying, keying in on Dylan's reaction in that moment. I mean, just all of it. Well, all of yeah, it. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah, just let's just wait. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, I, I guess here we're going to talk about. Um, I don't want to use the term Chekhov's gun because it's a little bit bigger than a gun. But how about let's just coin the term Chekhov's supernova. Because, you know, we yeah. have the Chekhov's gun where the thing is referenced early on. And then, you know, we're 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 going to pretend like we forget about it until it shows up later in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, how what an awesome Chekhov's gun that, you know, we have the, the supernova reference where Trance is like, I can blow myself up. And Dylan's right. like, no, 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 no. No, we're going to do something even crazier. <laughs> <laughs> but then later on, boom, we get the supernova. I thought it was pretty, pretty good. Pretty good reference there. That's that's just that's good storytelling. Yeah, for sure. And man, I tell you what, you're hitting these hard because once again, hold on to that because I got more <laughs> later. Yeah, I figured we probably could get a little bit deeper into that discussion. Uh, I have a question. Okay. I, I, has there been some significant upgrades in this season? Because I feel like we've seen this a couple of times now. Is is Harper's data port completely obsolete now that's a good point um harper's wi-fi now he's wi-fi compatible i think okay and so so the actual jack in plug-in data port that's only for the really truly heavy lifting when he's got a lot of data to transfer okay but i think for the most part he's just wi-fi compatible now well i'm not even talking about just harper but it used to be like that was a oh. thing that that was that was Harper's thing was that he could just he could physically jack, jack, jack in. into things. Yeah, and now we've got now Dylan. Dylan just sticks the thing on the side of his head. I feel like we just yeah. saw something like that 
too. And so they're yeah. Dylan is able to climb around inside systems no, and it, open gates. Yeah, I guess. It, and I think I think that's very much um, you know advancement in technology. And, and, but I still think that what I said before holds true. If you have your Wi-Fi connection, you can go in and tamper and be in, you know, shared thought and dream space and virtual um, PC computing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you how else you would reference it, but you can get in the hollow matrix and interact and do things. But I think if you're going to be doing heavy, heavy data transfer, coding, that sort of thing, you need a more robust neural link for that. And so I think that's where Harper's data port jack you know it's like you know if you want a basic connection you just hook up to your home's wi-fi mm-hmm. but if you're gaming and it's imperative that you have low latency low lag and a constant connection you always jack that thing in with a uh, an rj5 right yeah or a cat a cat so does, five cat five that's does, what does that mean that otherwise Harper is normally just walking around with a uh, Wi-Fi adapter plugged in now? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you okay. know, it's a little card sticking out of the side of his head. Yeah. And, you know, when he gets down to the engineering session, he has to be careful because it's heavily shielded and data drops out, you know. And, and yeah. he, you know, he has the frustration of having to reconnect. Yeah. Well, those cards will get smaller. I think probably by season five, yeah. we'll see it get, you won't even hardly be able oh, to see it it'll, anymore. It'll be just this little nubbin with a, a mm-hmm. flashing LED. That's what it'll come yeah. down to. Right. Uh, speaking of the interface, when Dylan drops into the the hollow matrix or whatever it is, uh, I just had to point out Lexa Dog has a real problem standing still with her eyes closed. I just want to make that reference because Andromeda standing there placid, placidly, uh, you know, powered down essentially, as I use air quotes here. Um, Lexa Dog, the actress, could not stand still for that. I mean, she's she's weaving back and forth on her little pedestal or whatever it is they had her standing up on. Well, you know, that's just because she's still in standby mode. You know, oh. she can't completely shut down. She's yeah, kind of. It's not the same as sleep standby, mode, standby yeah. mode. No, I, I I follow what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you kind of have to keep those. You have to be you know, ready those, to go at a moment's notice. It's those oscillations is what's kind of it's just kind of keeping her. Not completely asleep. Okay, but, that's fine. You you don't have to defend that. But I love I love that you brought that up because this brings me to my next point that I wanted to talk about. Actually, Dylan makes a pretty big mistake. Oversight? I don't know, but mistake. Like he just makes an assumption, and it seems really dumb. But you know, uh, I think about it. I've done the same thing. Uh, just an example. I came home the other night, and I look at the TV, and the screen's just black. And I was like, um, this TV is clearly no longer functional. And my wife just took the remote, and she powered it on. And I was like, oh, okay. It does work. My bad. But the complete lack of activity on the screen, you know, obviously, I jumped to the conclusion. I was like... This TV clearly is no longer is, functional. It needs to be replaced. Yeah. I right. think that's the default setting for all men. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's like time for an upgrade. I can't get it yeah. to come on. I'm not going to pa- check the power cable because this is going, if, if it's just unplugged, 
It's going mi- to mitigate my chance of an upgrade. <laughs> yeah. It, I just... Dylan has seen androids before, right? He is aware that they can power down. <laughs> yeah. Why does that... Why does his... The first place he goes to is this android is clearly no longer functional. Right. Well, and Rami's he, just like, no, we just have to power her back on, you know? Yeah. Worst case scenario, she has a, bed de- a dead battery. Yeah, true. But yeah. honestly, you look around, and it's very... I would classify it as post-apocalyptic. So I would think, if I glanced at a body sitting there, and yes, it's an android, my first assumption would be, don't even bother. Well, he doesn't think that about the whole Andromeda when he fires it up later. That's true. <laughs> I mean, if anything, wouldn't you look around and be like, well, this ship is clearly, clearly no longer dead. functional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else assumed that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. A- and speaking of that, seriously, in the 200 some odd years, what, since the, the, the last time that, you know, anyone was there at the Monument Planet... Seriously, nobody in the rebellion or the resistance, whatever it is, um, nobody's tried to get Andromeda out of mothballs. They didn't tap a screen. They didn't try to revive the Andromeda. This warship that would have come in really handy, as Becca indicated. (laughs) If only there was anyone with the know-how to do something like that. Oh, wait, Harper has been on this planet the entire time. You don't think he would have been interested in that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but no. No, apparently not. All right, Ethan, gun to your head. Quick decision. There are no wrong answers, but there is only one correct answer. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of Starship Captains? <laughs> wow. How many, how many do I have to name here? Just one. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm telling you that that would be too much information. I told you that there's would be only too one much right answer. Okay, so so yeah. one right answer is Captain Dylan Hunt. That right? is correct. Okay, there it is. That yeah. is correct. Yeah. So it's yes. a good thing they have that Mount Rushmore ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a very good likeness too. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I I I, I watched this episode three times. Twice on the monitor I'm looking at right now, which is a 32-inch monitor, 2K. But when I switched over to my big screen TV and watched it there, it finally really stood out to me just what a good rendering that was, actually. So whoever, whatever student was putting that CG effect together, props to them. I hope they graduated well and had a career in in television. Excellent. You should you should have looked into that in your trivia i kind of tried to (laughs) okay (laughs) but there's no information on that honestly i searched for things but i I wasn't Uh, finding anything so unfortunately bummer yeah the further we're getting into the series the less information i'm able to find so you you'll notice that trivia is starting to really kind of dwindle down i have not noticed that because you do such a fantastic job ethan i do try i do yeah I would be and on I'm the gonna Mount keep telling you that podcast trivia. Yeah, uh, you would researchers. I think. Yeah, you but, would. You and know, I'm going to keep telling I, you that because I, I, will I don't want history do it. decide. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon Michael Wolvett had trouble running in his boots. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out too. <laughs> there's the there's the one scene where he goes running out of the room, and I don't know what boots they had on him, but he was uncomfortable in them. 
<laughs> they must have been three inch platforms because it was awkward looking as I'll get out. Yeah, the whole outfit was a little awkward for me. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Has it, Did he break his neck at some point? Is that what was going on uh, there? I don't know. I know there was some sort of uh, mechanical or computer augmentation. Um, yeah, but as far as what were those things that were sticking to his head? Yeah. And then and, going and, down to that Egyptian style <laughs> breastplate. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and and they had the little levers on there, I guess, to allow for a little bit of head movement. But the whole time he's talking with Rade in his close up, all I can see is those things moving up and down as his shoulders are moving. And I'm like, this is just distracting. Yeah. <laughs> as a prop, this is just distracting. They're not doing their job. No. No, they're not. Yeah. They're not augmenting the storytelling. Okay. And, and so tell me if. um. Basically, what I'm getting out of this episode is that if Dylan had just waited 30 more seconds, Becca would have figured out the situation and they would have had a solution. Um, obviously, the attackers had already quit chasing them because the ship wasn't shaking. Uh, so nobody was apparently firing at them at, by that point. He just needed to be a little bit more patient, right? Um, well, they had lost them at that point. Oh, that's true. I they had. I believe they had they had shaken them off, but there was still the matter of refueling. True. And otherwise, they were going to find them again. Okay. Right. Okay, so Dylan had to go away. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe. Uh, no. No? No. Okay. No, he still, he still, if they'd have just hung around for 30 more seconds, because that's all the time that it took for... But they wouldn't have known about... Almathea. Or or would they? Because I do feel like Trance in their timeline would have been like, hey, why don't we steer toward Almathea? Yeah, because she kind of gave him the wink and the nod. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. She knew. What, yeah, so, so so Dylan didn't have to disappear. So Trance knows about Almathea in, in any timeline. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? Honestly, what you just said really kind of brings me into my next point, which is we're, we're going to shift gears here. We're going to talk about the episode um, a little bit more seriously now. But since that was what you what you concluded here in that segment, I'm going to go ahead and lead off and just talk about that. One of the notes that I have here is why complete this mission at all? Because... Trance tells Dylan that the Abyss is working in all of these different universe, universes, universe, Universi. 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 That can't be right. Is that real? No, no. I hate you, John, <laughs> Ethan, Maestri. So, she says that just, she can, he can just go back to his timeline and do what he needs to do, and the Abyss isn't going to affect anybody, because apparently the Abyss is attacking all of these universes at the same time. But if Dylan defeats him from his main universe, then the Abyss is not able to infiltrate or attack any of these other parallel universes. But Dylan 
goes back into Boy Scout mode. And he's like, no, because I see these things that are happening right here, right now in front of me. And I've got to help these people. Why is Dylan suddenly so short-sighted that he has to stay here longer, possibly get himself killed, in order to help the people that if he goes back home and completes his actual mission, none of this even happens for them anyway. Like, he saves them by going home and completing his mission. Yeah, except that a wrong was directly in front of him and he could not walk away from it. I mean, if that's the one thing we've learned about here, 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 we, we know this about Dylan hunt. If he sees a wrong, he has to address it. The problem being, yeah, he's not keeping his universes straight Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and quantum entanglement and exactly what you said. Uh, If he goes back and completes that mission, then the things that are happening here that he sees going on that he feels like he has to address would never have happened at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But is this a problem for, with Dylan hunt? Is this a problem with our character that he is so good that he gets blinded by doing what is right? Well, I think so because then it's where do you stop? You know, Do you not say, hey, Trance, instead of sending me back home, send me to another universe where stuff is going down, and I'm going to try to fix that problem, too. (laughs) And let's just do this like a thousand times. Yeah. And fix them all. And then go back home and do the thing that I was supposed to do in the first place, which then voids all of my efforts. Because none of it actually happened anyway. Yeah. Hey, Trance, how about I waste the next 30 years of my life fixing things that don't need to be fixed? And then return me back to my time. Yeah. I don't know how this works. Does he age when he gets back home? I'm thinking he doesn't age. But That then, may be why he wants to keep doing this, jumping around, because then that way he never has to get old. Well, does he want it? Does he want to do this? No, he's he's t- he's totally focused on the timeline that he is in. He has no concept of what's going on in other timelines. He's not even thinking about his own prime timeline. Yeah, just because he hasn't been shown them yet. Okay. But that's also the short-sightedness, right? Yes, if he yes. lands in, in this universe and he sees all this stuff going on, he sees trance, the same trance that he knows from his own prime timeline, then are there not questions? Hey, what else is going on? You're seeing everything else that's going on. Is there anything else I need to do? And she says, basically, she says, you need to go back home and take care of business. And mm-hmm. he's like... That's great. I love that idea. But first... I want to fix this one. Yeah. (laughs) I want to have my cake and eat it too. But don't you see that if you go back home and fix that, then that kind of fixes this one. I hear you. And I love that idea. I I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dylan has tunnel vision. He has tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. He, He can't make a decision... If it means looking away from the thing that's directly in front of him, apparently. And that's a problem with our, 
our main character, I think. He's too yeah. good for his own good. Yeah, at least at least this week. Or other people's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least this week, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I don't know um I don't know where you're gonna go with this continu- you know, forward. I but it does yeah, it's it's a, it's an inherent flaw in our, our hero here. Can we just acknowledge that and move on, or did you have something else to add? Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm going to be one of those people that just points out the problems without offering a solution this time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I normally don't like to do that, but I don't know where else to go with this other than... Because, I mean, this is a one-off episode, basically. We don't really deal with this. It's not a thing. I was going to say, just... do we have... Do we have uh, Rufio Becca showing up in a later episode where something has gone... <laughs> Or something has gone terribly wrong, you know. I'm sorry. Did, did you not think that? Apparently, I, I. I mean, I didn't until you said it just now. But now that's all I can think about. That hairdo was. I something. loved that. That was. That's that's awesome. Nice, nice callback. Nice throwback. Okay. Yeah. But 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 she's not coming back. None of these characters that we saw in this timeline are going to affect the prime timeline that we're used to that that he has returned to with the M bender or without the M yeah. bender actually. I mean what is the prime timeline? Well now, now we're going what, into string is, theory and philosophical. What does that even yeah. what does that even mean? I mean <laughs> what okay. What if Dylan just stays here in this universe now and fixes the whole abyss problem from here? Except that yeah. nobody seems to be aware of it. Maybe right. that's the whole point, is that the the universe that he is actually from, they've got a foothold. Yeah. They, they at least have some sort of advanced warning. As I saw it, this universe that he has entered into did not need his help. They moved on. And they're, and they're dealing with consequences, but you know they moved on. And it's left for... Becca and the the that resistance group to well now Becca and Rami together, um, they'll fit they'll fix that problem. Yeah, or it'll Becca, just all reset once Dylan goes back to his home. Becca and Rami, but why? Because Dylan showed up and saved the day. <laughs> well, Becca was fighting the resistance before yeah. he showed up. Yeah, Which, yeah, she was. Can we talk about that for just a second also? I would love to talk about that for a second, yes. Okay, what's the first thing we learned about Becca when she's invited to come on to Andromeda? What is the um, first thing she says? She just wanted three hots and a cot. That's right. And also she added in there, I don't do causes. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. does this Becca, who is totally removed from Dylan Hunt's influence, other than Dylan Hunt's influence on the history of the timeline she's in. Does this strike you as a Becca that would change off of that core belief of, I don't do causes. No, because she's, she's the same. Essentially she's supposed to be the same Becca that we've always known. I mean, anytime you go to a universe, a mirror universe, there's going to be different influences and for whatever reason, our characters are going to be a little bit different. But that doesn't change the fact that Becca, her life was hard. And she grew up the way she grew up. 
and and now she's she's pretty much in it for herself all the way up until she meets Dylan. And the only reason that she starts to have that change of heart and to 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 have that that allegiance to some sort of um, commonwealth or any sort of cause is because the cause found her, right? But in this universe, what's the reason for the cause finding her? And it wasn't explained. It wasn't explained. But I don't see it. It's obvious that the Commonwealth has been corrupted. But where we see, where we're introduced to Becca Valentine at the beginning of this series, it seems like if the universe that she was in was largely corrupted, she would have just found a way to survive Mm -hmm. amongst that corruption. And possibly, you know, she was doing it, it. it has always struck me that Becca Valentine, before meeting Dylan Hunt, was doing shady things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, th- wh- there's nothing here that's indicating that the, we're, we're not told. We're not told what it is that caused Becca to say, you know, I don't like what I see. I'm going to stand up for what is right. Yeah. Because the character we're introduced to that we see slowly change over these four seasons now to become a, a, a fighter for what is good. That's a long journey for her to get to this point. And I just, outside of Dylan Hunt's influence, I just don't see her getting there. <laughs> of course, she Look, didn't have the Yurika Maru, so. Yeah. You know. Character is character. And people can go through different things. You can have two people come from the exact same background and end up totally different. You can have two people come from two completely different backgrounds and end up the same right you see it all the time uh people come from hard families they decide to 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 make a success of their life while their siblings make a total wreck of their lives right and it goes the other way around too it doesn't matter what it comes down to is each individual has to make the decisions they're going to make and so much of that while it can be environmental influence, so much of it is just character, right? Who are you inside? And we see that in Harper by the end of it, because yeah. Dylan is able to break him down. And and we see the Harper that we actually know. And, and you get the idea that Harper... He was running with Becca back in our prime universe. He was running with Becca because he was kind of in that same situation where he just needed to survive and he needed a job. He needed something to do. He found somewhere where he was useful. But when he found Dylan, I don't, maybe I'm misremembering this, but it just seems like Harper was pretty quick to jump on board with Dylan and say, man, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. And I'm about it, too. Yeah. Whereas Becca, she seemed a little bit more like I'm just I'm just here for the amenities and for the comfort. And I'll 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 help you as long as it and, doesn't. And that hasn't put me changed out too much, much because we look back an episode or two. An episode now. Um, and. Becca's back to butting heads with Dylan Hunt because she just doesn't like the way things are being done, at least seemingly, as far as yeah. we know right now. 
So yeah, yeah, you're you're to, you're speaking about the, the the core person, and you're right. Harper very quickly responded, but mm-hmm. Becca has been a long. It's been a long and little incremental changes. It hasn't yeah. been all at once, and it hasn't been always consistent either. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let's not forget about Rade. Yeah. Because since our introduction to Telemachus Rade, he has been nothing but fighting against what he's supposed to be and always looking for the good, always trying to be the noble, right? Mm-hmm. Even from his background, living with the Nietzscheans, growing up Nietzschean, having that sort of indoctrinated into him, he always wants to be something more, something better, something noble. And that's why he fits so well with what Dylan is trying to do. Now in this universe, he's crushed under the thumb of Harper, who, first of all, shouldn't be in this situation because that's not Harper. Okay, there's the Abyss influence. I get that. Harper's not really Harper. I guess maybe we can give him a pass for that. But still, Rade is falling for it. And he's falling in line with it. So, just from what I see, these three major characters, they're flip-flopped from what we have seen in the Prime Universe. You would so think it would be... it makes sense. It's th- this is the Bizarro universe. Is it Bizarro? Is that what's happening now? I don't I know. I mean, I guess we keep, really... we keep calling it... We keep calling it mirror universe, but I don't think yeah. that, uh, that's just because it's, it's, it's not a, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Star Trek thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, we're, 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 yeah. Um, this is but, just an alternate universe. Yeah, it is. And so I, but, but if that's the case, then I, and I, I think I see the point you're trying to make. If it's truly just an alternate universe, then we should be able to infer the types of characters that we saw when they were first introduced to Dylan Hunt in the first episode of Andromeda. We should be able to look at them and infer the types of people they are. And so the, the roles that we see them in four years down the road from when we first met them, we should be able to draw some parallels in character, right? Mm-hmm. And from what I'm saying, hearing you say, we're just not quite there. It's, it's not... You know, the, the 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 parallels aren't matching up. Yeah, no, I think it's it even more so for Becca. Yeah. I think there are maybe reasons why you can you can give a pass for Harper, maybe even Rade, for why they've gone the way they've gone, because there is the spirit of the abyss influence directly acting on them. So you could say they're not themselves. But that doesn't answer the question for why Becca is the way she is in this universe. Because, yeah, yeah, you're right. What you said earlier, she's just going to keep her head down and she's going to she's going to survive. Yeah, I'm sure she's going to do well, but she's not going to be leading a rebellion. Yeah, that's just not her personality. Mm hmm. Yep. Um. I want to explore this concept of the abyss corrupting the Commonwealth post retired Dylan Hunt. His death. He, he's, he's passed on. He saved the Commonwealth. 
He he put down the Nietzschean revolt. So in his absence, uh, the Commonwealth is corrupted by the abyss. Now, does that mean that the abyss just totally didn't put together a Magog invasion? Is that what this means? Or that it takes Dylan Hunt to discover it. Okay. The Magog have been in... Had the Magog been known in the time before the Nietzschean revolt? I can't remember the timeline now. Oh, you know what? That's a really good question. I probably... I. I want to say we, we're live having this discussion, so I—that's why I have done no research on this because yeah. it's just now popping into my head. Yeah, I want to say no because right. uh, I mean Dylan didn't really act like he knew about the Magog the first time he re- he met um, Rev Bim. Right. 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 I don't. I don't know. That was a long time ago, so maybe I'm getting this totally wrong. I know. But well, and I'm thinking there there was the, the one of the the first Magog attacks was talked about as new new. I started with a B. New Brussels, New Braunfels. I I forget what the, what the name was, but it was something that it seemed like Becca and Harper were definitely familiar with, and the other crew were definitely familiar with. But for Dylan, it seemed like he was learning them about all of this. So I'm going to guess that the Magog came after Dylan disappeared. As I remember it. So it still begs the question. Did, did the abyss just realize, Hey, I can do this because the Commonwealth is open to corruption. And now I now I can exert my will on the universe without having to cobble together a world ship full of Magog to come, you know, wipe these galaxies out. Because now, now it feels like the, the everything is fundamentally, fundamentally different. And yeah. I'm just wondering what caused the Abyss to take a completely different tack than what he's doing in the universe in which Dylan normally exists in. Well, yeah, and, and that brings into question, is there one singular Abyss that is acting... In each of these universes, or universe at the same time, and we're not going to do that. It, <laughs> in each of these, at the same time, because if if what Trance says is true, that if Dylan completes his mission in the prime timeline, then then he's able to defeat the Abyss in all of them. So because if we think about this as a multiverse thing, okay, so then that means there are infinity number of Dylans. There are infinity number of Rades. There are even infinity number of tears. Some of them, he's still alive. So there are not an infinity number of the spirit of the abyss. There's right. still just the one, but he's able to access all of these, this multiverse. Well, is, is the, is the abyss able to segment himself the way trance apparently is able to do? I, I would imagine they're of the same, they're the same type of entity. They are the same. They have the same abilities to exist in the universe. So I'm going to assume the abyss has the ability to segment himself throughout these realities just the same way that that trance does 
Yeah, if that's, that's the what case, it sounds like. Yeah, and if that's the case, then yeah, at some point, something happened or didn't happen that allowed the abyss to say, okay, this is the best course of action for this particular eventuality. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only thing I can come up with to kind of wrap my head around why there's a, such a discrepancy in how Dylan's timeline is working out and how this one is working out. Well, and if, he, if he's able to get his tentacles into all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Then he has then, some foresight. I mean, you look at it on, on Dylan's end, from what Trance says, is he, if he's able to stop him from his prime timeline, then he stops them from all of them. Does that not work conversely? That if the, that if the Abyss is able to succeed in one of these universes he's able then to he can, succeed in all he of can them implement it in, in others yeah so maybe he's got a multiverse worth of different strategies going yeah. on well and, and, and we're just we just happen to be following one of them yeah and that's why it seems so different because it is truly a different branch and, and coming back to you know trance is able to you know snip the bonsai tree and change eventualities right so it stands to reason that the abyss can kind of do the same thing. So if he's got a lot of feelers out there, then he has a lot of data and a lot of insight to see how to how to advance his plot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes helps this version of the universe make a little more sense to me. Uh, you mentioned something um, very briefly. It, it was almost a throwaway line in your summary, but I couldn't throw it away. Something about, you said something about we're in this alternate universe where still all of our main characters are. So we were talking about multiverse, mirror universe, whatever you want to call it. And this is one of the things that this is why these I have trouble with these. We've talked about this before on other podcasts that we've done before about other franchises have, which have used mirror universe, right? And I see this these same tropes coming up again. And this is what, what doesn't work for me with these kinds of stories, is that we're to assume that when we're thrown into this new universe, we still have all the same characters from our In very close universe that we know. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, maybe their stories are just a little bit different, but why are they all there? We're talking about being confined on a planet now. Mhm. And it's all the yeah. same people that we know. They're all confined on to one planet. First of all, do they not have space travel now? What's going on? <laughs> Why are they all on this Dylan Hunt Memorial planet? Is this a little and- foreshadowing for what's going to happen in season 5? Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I I don't know. I can't speak to that. Um, okay, moving on. Yeah, but, forget I said that. Yeah, but but still, we do... Th- this whole universe has been based on the ability to travel through space, between stars, between galaxies. But now all of our main characters are found on this one planet. And there's this uprising on this planet. We have this one authoritarian ruler on this planet. Does this reach any further than this planet? 
is is the first question I guess that I have. Does it reach any further than this planet? Are you asking me for an answer? I'm kind of yeah. Well, I mean, I've got an answer. You're not going to like it. Okay. Because plot. <laughs> I mean, the this hmm. whole universe exists because they have to make an episode with the contracted characters and actors that they have for this episode. Mm-hmm. That's the, this is the only way and the only reason why this scenario exists. Because the reality is there is no way in Hades mm-hmm. <laughs> that all of these people are in the same location on the same planet fighting this galaxy uh what what apparently should be a galaxy's wide struggle on this one planet together i mean there's no yeah. no no reasonable reason why this should be happening well there is there is in series precedent tier talks to Harper clear back in season one or maybe it was a season two premiere. I don't know. But anyway, he's talking to him about probabilities and overcoming all of those things. Right. And he says he's talking about how just the absolutely mind boggling numbers as far as the probability of of everything working out throughout history so that his parents would come together at the exact same right time so that that sperm and that egg would meet together to form Harper, right? Because Harper is an individual that is, all of those things have to be perfect for all of that to happen, for him to even be in existence. And then and he goes on, it becomes a whole thing. But but that's the thing is is that you look through the rest of history now and if we're in a different timeline, a different Dylan's not even there anymore. He's dead. So that changes the course of history. So that's 300 years ago. Think about 300 years ago in our real life history now, if something massively different had happened. I mean, let's go back, not even 300 years. Let's just go back to, let's say that the American Revolution never happens. Let's say the colonies lose that war. Do you and I exist? Probably not. That's the probability. Absolutely not. Because my great-great-grandparents don't come over from Italy because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not a free country for them to move to. So they probably stay in Italy. And, yeah. Yeah, all of the... Everything that transpires after they make that decision to come to the to come to the Amer- to the United States, that doesn't happen. So yeah, I'm not here. I don't know if you're mostly Indian or not. You're you're not. So I'm not. So you're not here either. Also, also <laughs> Italian, German, there you go. Irish. All of these people have to come here to make my parents before my parents can ever make me. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. So. I'm afraid that I I may have gone off track here, but the point of the the whole thing is just that this is a different timeline and so much time is separated between massive events. Well, yeah. And and hearing you talk about that, it's it's like the, the big event early on that we talked about in the Andromeda universe was 
the Battle of Witchhead Nebula, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a uh, a time when that probably doesn't happen. If if Dylan is if Dylan defeats the Nietzscheans, then the Commonwealth does not get defeated at the Witchhead Nebula. That's a major event because how many Nietzscheans were were lost in that event? Even though they win, yeah. how many Commonwealth are lost in that event? The fact that that battle doesn't happen, at least the way we understood it to have happened, that has a massive impact on everything, and it ripples out from there to the rest of the the timeline. And so, like, you know, Tiran Asazi being there, we saw him briefly, his back as he walks out of the room. He's not there. Mm-hmm. He's re- he, There's no way he's there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know what? For this, Rade is not there for the exact same absolutely reason. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, absolutely not. And maybe we're being way too serious about this about something that's just oh, supposed we are. to be okay. We all are right. Being is that what did we do that? about this right now? Okay. All right. <laughs> but to me, it's just it's part of the fails of uh, a story about mirror universe or alternate universe is just that we always have to assume that everything is completely different but the people are all the same yeah you're stepping on my ending summary but that's fine that's fine (laughs) sorry no 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 it has to be said and you're saying it sir (laughs) all right all right let's you know what i don't want to step on your toes too much let's talk about trance you want to do that uh okay, I've got a, I've got something I'd like to discuss. One more one more point for me, and then we can okay. move on to trance. Uh, Dylan Hunt bombs. Can we talk about those for just a second? Okay. We now, Ryan, we've been subjected to some less than smart ideas in this show, but I think of all of the less than smart ideas that we have been exposed to in the Andromeda series, and I'm not saying that they're all bad. This one's pretty bad. This one kind of ca- takes the cake. It's one what of the worst. What yeah. kind of military puts bombs in an android that looks like a famous individual to have him march into military bases or star bases or ships in order to blow up said facilities or locations? This feels like the dumbest thing in the history of dumb ideas. You know, when we don't know anything at all about what is happening in this episode or what's going to happen, it kind of seems okay at the very beginning. It's yeah. like, oh no, you're one of those android bombs that looks like Dylan Hunt because we all worship him on this planet. But then when we find out that that's just a, what has been a deactivated android, and this is a thing that's still going on. I mean, <laughs> I can see from her viewpoint, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this was a thing that we used to do yeah. like a yeah. hundred years uh, ago. In the past. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's but, apparently still a thing. Yeah. This is like the ultimate joke bomb or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, somebody sent another Dylan Hunt. Yeah, shoot well, it. Well, why do you keep doing that? I know. I know. What, what's what's the, the purpose of what it? What is I, the point? Yeah, exactly. You can you can understand it strategically in the beginning because if this is a place where Dylan Hunt is revered and they see someone in his likeness, it's going to give someone pause. Mm-hmm. And they're going to think, hey, is this our our salvation? 
You yeah. know, this is no. the great revered Dylan Hunt. Okay, I get it. But then I get it. After, it works. After, it works. After, Once, you know, two hundred maybe twice years later. Yeah, maybe, maybe for forty-five, fifty years, it still works. I don't know. Possibly. These people are dumb. I guess it takes a while for news to travel. But yeah, yeah, after about forty or fifty years, it's the jokes run its course. Mm-hmm. We're on to it now. Right. And the only way this works is again. I come back to the what I said before because plot. Yeah. I mean, it's only there because they needed it to advance the story. But the reality is, you you pluck that string a little bit, and what happens? Uh, it completely falls apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're smart, then they're going to send out more androids that look like them and their own soldiers. Yeah, or that look like nobody at all. No, no, whatever. Yeah, yeah, faceless. It doesn't matter. Faceless. Yeah, whatever. It's people yeah. that blend into or, a crowd. Yeah, yeah that makes. Or here's sense. a thought. Maybe just, I don't know, missiles. <laughs> like why? <laughs> wow. What if? Who would have thunk? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Let's talk about trance. Let's move on okay. from that. All right. So, uh, actually. I have a couple of things on trance. They all kind of dovetail, and I'm going to try to keep all of this straight. But, so, in the beginning, we have, like you mentioned, about the uh, the, the checkoff gun, right? So, trance offers to sacrifice herself, right? My first thought is, why is this not a last resort option? Right. We've never seen this come from trance before. Okay, it's true that we kind of have just recently learned really what the true nature of trance is. Yeah. Even still, why is she now suddenly ready to sacrifice herself in some sort of supernova? Yeah, and and, and what's which, the which... what's the logistics of that? Is she like any star that she wants to be that she can just oh trigger? Okay, so we're going to move to that point. Okay, <laughs> okay. so Sorry. it felt no. like this was a good time to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. So, because at this point, we still only know that Trance is a star, or she's an yeah. avatar of a star, a star, or a or stars, of stars. Yeah, but there are know. many of her. So, do the many of her represent all of the many stars? that are out there or do all of these stars have their own avatars that can also spread across the multiverse? I, I'm not exactly sure. You mentioned yeah, I'm not something exactly sure. And my brain starts to hurt when I try and follow those tendrils. Well, and you mentioned something earlier about when the Almathea star blew. What, what was it? What was it that you said? I think I feel like you kind of made summary? an assumption. Yeah. In the summary? Uh, I or said, maybe... Uh, what did I say? I said uh, a part of trance detonates in the area as a massive supernova. Okay, so that's making the assumption then that this Almathea star is part of trance or that trance is part of that star. Yeah, well, I understood... So the the part of trance that was with Dylan in the alternate timeline, I assume that was her. Mm-hmm. She said Almathea because that's the star she's connected to. 
how she knows that Dylan's going to go back to a timeline in which he's in a spider universe in which she's located, whatever. But apparently she knows, and that's the star she's she can trigger. Yeah, or the stars are in communique with each other. Okay, that's a that's a whole other ball of wax that we really don't have enough show for. <laughs> <laughs> So so right. so, where are we at here? Are, well, are, is the jury still out? Are we still figuring I, things out? That's what I want. Is she feeling when the star goes supernova? You can clearly see that she feels it. Yeah. But what is she feeling? Is she feeling the loss of that star, or is she feeling the loss of another avatar that represents that star? She says we all feel it. Yeah. Well, who it's, is we all? Yeah. No, no, you're right. It, It's a good question. It's a good question. We don't have an answer. Th- this episode does not give us an answer. It shows us something, but we don't have an answer as to what it is. Okay. So it's something big. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, going back to kind of what started all of this, then, is that she offers herself as a supernova. But Dylan's not willing to take that because he doesn't want to lose her, right? She's she's his ace in the hole. Yeah, except that now Almathea goes supernova, Trance is just fine. So, is that a clue? Hmm... Because when he when she says that to him at the beginning, she is basically saying, I can go supernova. Yeah. So is that wherever her avatar is? Like <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is, that's what I'm saying. It's, They're insinuating something that I don't think we've seen enough of to know how it's supposed to work. Okay. And this is what this is what's bothering me is because I know what trance is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't want to get ahead. I don't want to jump the timeline. I know what trance is. Yeah. But this is very misleading and it's, it's yeah, because it's hi- I don't is hiding everything. I don't know what the end result is. So for me, I'm just like, sense. we don't have enough data. Is, okay. is the way I'm having to approach this. So All it's right. like, I, I don't have an answer for you, and I'm okay with that. We were shown something in the story. If they make it work at the end of the story, mm-hmm. then I'll be able to look back on this episode and say, yeah, okay, I see what they were doing. All right. But I do have enough data, and it doesn't reconcile. You're not helping. <laughs> you are not helping, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Oh, uh, and I knew I knew we were going to get down to this as we got into these latter episodes. But you know what? That's we can debate that later on. What do you say? Yeah. Can we put a pin I, in this one? I would love it if we can put a pin in this, especially later on in uh, season finale of season four and on into season five when we really, really get to understand who or what trance is or isn't. Well, you're only talking about nine episodes till the end of this season. So, yeah. 
Okay. Let's mentally put a pin in that and, and oh, revisit see. it. If we, if we do it mentally, then we're not going to talk about it. That's the problem. That's hey, you know I'm what? I have about. these post-it notes on my desktop. I will put yeah. a note in there. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So, anyway, Dylan's not willing to make the sacrifice of allowing Trance to go supernova, yet he is totally willing to let Harper use this experimental device which might rip a hole in the space-time continuum and destroy all of them. That's totally okay. Well, I, as I said in my summary, we're not going to do this character-altering, show-altering thing, but we're going to do something even sketchier that may actually kill... <laughs> one or both of our characters that are in the room or all of them <laughs> or if it does them, the yes. worst of what harper said it's going to do <laughs> yeah 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 so here again uh, we're talking about flaws in our hero dylan's mm-hmm. extremely short-sighted in making this decision i mean i i understand him saying no to trance we're not there yet okay mm-hmm. that makes sense but do you go to plan b being possible total annihilation I don't think you go there. I think you mm-hmm. I think you try and fight it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Try and disappear. Try to get someplace secluded. Catch your breath. Let Becca think for 30 seconds. And then go mm-hmm. from there. <laughs> well, especially if... Maybe if we have someone that's talking him into it. Right? But yeah. we have Harper actively trying to tell him boss this is not ready this is a bad idea (laughs) this is is not gonna work do this yeah and he's like yeah i feel like this is a thing we need to do right right i mean no it's dylan so it all works out in the end and maybe because it has to because plot here again we're we're coming back to that or is it just because Dylan is so used to going with his gut and always being right because he seems to be extremely important in the universe? Yeah, I, I very much feel like a lot of the decision making that Dylan Hunt is doing is based on the fact that he's drunk the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the incorrect use of the word. Drunk. That's the correct use of the expression. Yes. He, yeah. he has he has he has drank the Kool-Aid and is believing in his own immortality. Well, I mean, or not when immortality, got someone... but his own uh, invincibility. And uh, and he's making decisions based on that. And that's a that's not a great place to be. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I guess it depends on the results, doesn't it? Because when you've got someone like Trance who has. I mean, she is what she is, and Dylan is still trying to figure that out, but she is something very, very special. He knows that. She is something bigger than all of them, and she has 100% hitched her wagon to him. So that's got to make him feel like, yeah, whatever I'm doing is right. That's That's got to do something to you, right? Yeah. Especially when everything that he does, as dumb as it seems at times, always ends up working right, even when it shouldn't have, against all odds. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, yeah, so here we go. I hear what you're saying, Harper, but let's go ahead and fire up that beam because I'm Dylan Hunt. And I have approved this message. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but he makes the decision because plot, because he has plot armor. And of course he's going to make the decision to do the thing that is not going to lose trance, but he knows that not all of them are going to die. So whatever Harper thinks is going to happen that could possibly destroy the Andromeda or cause it to wink out of existence, it's not going to happen to them. It happens to him, but he figures out a way to get back. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it's he, he, he has he's operating with a safety net now. All right, let's let's wrap up this discussion with a couple of let's lighten it up a little bit. So I just want to know, first of all, your thoughts on Harper as a supervillain. You know, we've discussed the coda, right? And and we talked it talked about Robert Hewitt Wolf's vision for Harper and him being absorbed into and becoming the leader of the uh, consensus of parts, right? That was a possible outcome for Harper. And I feel like somebody knew somebody in the writer room, Matt kind, whoever, whoever it was knew that that was a possibility for Harper's character. And that's how this got into this story. Somebody said, Hey, let's take that element of it and let's, let's bring it to the camera. And I feel like we got a start of Harper mechanizing himself. Uh, 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 not Android. Uh, yeah, yeah, Android. Turning himself into a bit of an Android. Mechanizing himself and and being absorbed by the technology that he loves, you know, and, and thinks about and tinkers with, right? And I feel like we got an element of that here. And I kind of liked it. But there again, this isn't Harper's role. It's it. It's it's cool, and the idea of it is cool. But Harper, as the supreme leader and this mechanized being, whatever he is becoming, doesn't match up with the Harper that we've come to know and love. Yeah, I think they did it more for the shock value because yeah, if you're going to look at the two that were on that side, I think it would have made more sense that Rade could have been that supreme leader. Yeah. And Harper, more his lackey. Yes. Them the putting the guy. roles. Yeah the, yeah. the way that they put these roles here, y- you can see Rade kind of being someone who is m- in more of command, being able to make, um, make the decisions, being more of the, unquestionable leader because that's what they say that Harper is. No one questions his orders. And you can see that early on is that if anybody does even hint at a question of his orders, it seems like their life is on the line. Again, there's the influence of the abyss, I believe, that's going on here. But you know, ultimately, that's not the Harper that we know, and I think that's kind of why they did that, is they made this sort of unbelievable version of Harper to make it that much more shocking 
that this is what happened to him in this alternate universe. And while there is sort of that shock value there, and there is the element of the Abyss influence, I still just have a really hard time believing it. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the... A lot of his characteristics just kind of seemed cartoony as a villain. And I don't know. I'm just not sure why everybody is bending to his every will and command Yeah, for fear of death. And, I mean, he seems like he could have been pretty easy to assassinate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something with the augmentation that we didn't see. But, um, but anyway... In in any event, what we did see from Harper in our main prime timeline was that um, it looks like he's on the verge of inventing a cloaking device. And that's kind of what gets us into this whole thing anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lightsaber hilt with three CDs attached to it. Yeah. Yes. Pretty cool yes. I, I, did, I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this was also at a time, it was produced in a time when CDs were still a pretty big thing. Yeah. But also, would Becca not have recognized those? Because she collects CDs. Honestly, I think if you had a, if you sat a person under the age of 20 down to watch this episode today, they would find that prop more interesting. Because CDs are less of a thing now. Of course, you you've got Blu-rays don't know and DVDs, it. but yeah, yeah, you know, you know they they keep kids know what CDs are. They they put their video games on them. Not anymore. <laughs> Everything's digital uh, now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There is no I, physical media. I yeah. I don't know if I'd like owning things that are just on a cloud. I mean, what if the cloud goes down? Uh, anyway. Yeah. Oh tell you what ethan that's starting i I said we were going to lighten it up it's starting to get pretty heavy again so let's move let's shift let's shift gears again let's talk about something that is very light like a bright light like our quote for the episode the brightest light is invisible it shines through your deeds and warms the universe you are not going to believe who actually said that who said that it was Captain Dylan Hunt. The? That was the, the retired Captain Dylan Hunt. Commonwealth year 9817. The Dylan Hunt. Yep. Yep. The very one that was on the rock face. Yeah. 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 That, Not that the cool. one that we know. No. The one that the survived legend. the Nietzschean War. Yeah. yeah. The man, the myth, the uh-huh. legend in that timeline. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, it's a very Dylan Hunt saying. I mean, it's uh, it was what was needed to be said to reach that Harper in that moment. There you go. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing, too, about this, is that I don't know, I can't think of the last time that we had a quote that was actually a quote in the episode. Yeah. So a lot of times we're always trying to scratch our heads and try to figure out, okay, what, what what is the meaning of it? Is there any meaning of this? Can we connect this to the episode in some sort of logical way? Um, well, clearly we can this time. Yeah, because plot. Because, yeah, because 
Exactly. Because Dylan used it. He apparently talked with Zebra long enough to get this and was able to memorize this quote. Yeah. <laughs> which says a lot about our character here. Um, and Dylan being able to remember all of these things and to access them at just the exact right time when he needed to. But, um, okay, but the quote itself. The brightest light is invisible. It shines through your deeds and warms the universe. Okay, I... We actually have something that's... I feel like this is a positive message. It is. And of course, that's what he was trying to relay to um, Harper is, hey, be a better version of yourself, and that's going to fix all the stuff that you see that's bad. I don't know if it really works that universally, but, but, you know, this, this bright light shining through your deeds, and basically just the idea that doing what you can to do good and to do things right, uh, that's going to help you, and it's going to spread. It's going to help. I feel like I talked about that way too long now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you'd been like, no, no, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I talked about it too long, so I'm going to stop now. No, no, it's just finally it seems like we have a quote that actually means something. So I was excited about that. Yeah, it, and I mean, we could wax poetic about it for the, the rest of the night, but I mean, it's pretty bonk bonk on the head. I mean, it was there at the beginning. We got it. We, we heard it quoted in the show. It landed. We saw the effect that it had. Yeah, there it is. All right. Ethan, so that's the episode. Final thoughts. Uh, I'm going to send it to you. What What are your final thoughts on this episode of The Warmth of an Invisible Light? The Warmth of an Invisible Light ultimately leaves me kind of cold. Um, as we've talked about, the roles are wrong in this episode. Becca didn't do causes. Harper should have been the resistance leader. Uh, you know, those two alone are, seem pretty blatant, and I don't understand how the writers missed that one. Um, I don't understand why they felt the need to put Harper in the role of leader, because he's just not. He's just not. And the only thing I can come up with is because when I look back at when these types of episodes are done, the precedent was set from the 1960s with star trek with mirror mirror right that is a that is one of the most influential sci-fi episodes not just in star trek but in the history of sci-fi storytelling on television and in movies and the i feel like matt kind probably looked at mirror mirror and other episodes that in other series that have done the same or similar thing and said yeah let's let's take our Let's take our characters and let's put them in reversed roles. But here it doesn't work because we didn't get enough explanation. And so the way the plot unfolds leaves me wondering, well, how did they get to these positions? It isn't something where I just look at them and I say, oh, well, Harper's the good guy. 
uh, in the universe that I normally see. He deep down wants to be good, so therefore he deep down really wants to be bad. But that's not how they play it in this episode. And to me, it feels like the roles are reversed, and then on top of it, they kind of bungled the storytelling and how those roles are advanced in this 40-45 minute episode. Um, yeah, I, it just, it, this episode left me with a lot of questions, but ultimately this episode doesn't matter. And so like for me personally, I've been sitting here for the last 20, 30 minutes while we've discussed these possibilities and what it means and, and all of this. And I'm like, I keep coming back to the fact that because plot, that's why it's happened. That's why we saw it on screen. And ultimately it doesn't matter. We might discuss trance and who she is and how she spreads herself across these multiverses in a future episode. And I'll file that and maybe bring it back to mind for a future discussion, but everything else, who cares? And so ultimately I have that same kind of feeling toward this episode. This is a who cares episode. This was another filler keeping us from resolving Becca's issues, keeping us from resolving the civil war, keeping us from resolving the Magog world ship, which ultimately is the driver for this whole story to begin with. And so I look at this episode and I'm just like, I will, I've watched it three times. That's enough. There's that's where I'm at. That's how I feel about this episode. Total throwaway. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I will just echo everything that you just said and not repeat it. And that way we can wrap this up that much quicker. The only thing that I will add is just the fact that this is, uh, oh, probably about 40 minutes of this episode is just episode that we didn't need. Because if we, we start out the way we started out, fine. That's cool. He gets sent to this other universe and then finds out that he doesn't need to do anything here. Goes back home. And we can continue with that mission. Right? Because there's a story there. Um, There's bounty hunters coming after the Andromeda and our crew. Yeah, having them board the ship would have been infinitely more interesting. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Right? Let's see that happen. (laughs) Exactly. And how is Dylan going to get through that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess there's the argument. Yeah, that's for a future episode. Okay. Cool. That's great. I love that. But also, hey, let's do it this episode (laughs) and and not do the thing that we just did that it turns out doesn't matter. And it's not just it doesn't matter because of our analysis of it. It's because Trance said it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now we go on back to our other prime timeline and we have that little gift that (laughs) Trance gives to Dylan about Almathea. Like you brought up earlier, she could have done the same thing in the prime timeline without having it be some sort of weird mystic. Why doesn't she just say, oh, by the way, when you get back, go to Almathea. Because it's going to go supernova, and that's how we're going to save your life. Why? Why do we have to keep it all mysterious? Mm. And, yeah. Oh, and she's like three, two, Almathea. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Okay. And and nothing against our actors here because they did a great job, but what they're given was not strong. Wasn't fantastic. Yeah. 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 Agreed. All right. Okay, so Ethan, that's what you think. That's what I think. Not the best episode. Um, but what about our listeners? What do they think? Because their opinions are important to us, are they not? That is very John, true. John Ethan Maestri. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many so times have you Ethan, said that in this episode? Okay. I don't know. I have said it, insert number, in post-editing now, yeah. <laughs> times. Um, all right. So anyway... Ethan, if somebody did want to get a hold of us and let us know what they thought of this episode or any other episode that we have done, or what their thoughts are on this podcast, or any other thoughts they may have that they'd like to share with us, how might someone get a hold of us? They could send an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod. Uh, I will say... Something that I've noticed is if you're if you're going to contact us on Facebook, then you're it's going to be a long going... wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. It's just that uh, Ethan and I we are very divergent when it comes to the social media. Um, neither of us are great at it, I guess. But um, I'm on Facebook, so if you contact us on Facebook. I'm going to be the one that's getting that message. If you're contacting us on Twitter, that's going to be Ethan. I will never see that message unless Ethan decides to share it with me. So just Which so you know, Which if I you, it, yeah. And I mean, you know, Hey, there's some caveats to that because knowing that if you maybe have something that you don't want Ethan to know, you know, you can, you can tell me oh, now you're stirring the pot. You know, or anyway. it goes the same way, you know. Yeah, if, that's uh, true. That's true. If you got something that you don't want me to hear. Um, anyway, Podbean. That's where that's where our home is on the web. We all meet at Podbean. That's right. That's right. You're Facebook, or I'm Facebook, you're Twitter, but we're all Podbean. Andromedaseries.podbean.com. That's our home. And we do have a tip jar there. If you should feel so inclined to help support the cause, we've been trying real hard to to get this uh, starship back off the ground, just like they did in this episode. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we certainly appreciate a review, star rating. That helps other listeners to find the show, and so we'd appreciate that. You can also find us on Spotify. Listen to us there as well. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice for the opening quote at the beginning of this episode as he always does we are an age of geek production and we hope that you will join us again next time as we explore the episode the others